All right, well, good evening. I'm very excited to preach, and I'm very grateful for this opportunity to, to do so. If you have your Bible, let's turn quickly to Luke chapter number 15. Luke chapter number 15. As Pastor says, there's a bunch of families on vacation, but like outside, like nobody's left. And it's, it's a pretty big crowd, and I'm, I'm very grateful for Pastor Jones and the investment that he's had in my life, especially this summer. Um, Brother Reggie, Brother David, uh, Brother Mark, Brother Mark, and um, all the Marks out here, there's a bunch of them for whatever reason. And um, Brother Corey, I guess, he's been great too. And, um, but everybody here has been great, and everybody here has been a blessing and encouragement. And honestly, you guys, if, God, if, if I say faithful to God and God says faithful to me, and I'm serving him and I'm serving to the best of my ability, you guys played a, poor, a part in my investment in my, in my ministry. And that's the truth, and, and I, I believe that because of your investment, because of your love for your pastor and, your, and um, his love to see young men preach the gospel, uh, I believe that you'll get crowns of heaven for it too. And um, if you're there, we'll be reading from verse 11 down to verse 32. It's kind of a lengthy passage, but I think all of it is important to um, what I'm trying to get across. And if you will, let's go ahead and stand for the reading of God's word real quick, if you're willing and able to. It says in verse number 11, it says this, And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger then said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. And he divided him to them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain and fill his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he had came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to, and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Thy brother has come, and thy father has killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and would not go in. Therefore, his father, uh, therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgress I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which had devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said to him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry, and be glad, for this thy brother was dead, and is alive again, and was lost, and is found. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you in prayer. And God, we are just so grateful for you and for your love that you have toward us. God, thank you for your mercy and thank you for your grace that's never ending. And Father God, there's somebody here in this room who has never accepted you to be their personal Savior. God, may they get that right and dealt with today. Father, fill me with your spirit. May I speak your words that you want me to say. And may I call these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In the passage that we just read, prior to it, Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees and, and um, he was there and he was eating with these sinners. 
And they say to him, hey, why are you eating with these guys? They, they, they've done wrong. They, they've, they've, they're, they're sinners. Why would you want to commune with them? And um, Jesus goes on to preach, into, uh, preach to them. He gives a, a three-part series, really, if you want to call it that. He gives, a, if you want to call it a series, it's entitled Lost, really. A series of the lost, she- the, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and, and the lost son, or as it's more commonly known, the prodigal son. And even though Jesus was living a perfect, holy life, reaching the lost, showing God's love, calling out the Pharisees for their hypocritical lifestyles, for them, for them to get right, regardless of what it was, the Pharisees did not appreciate Jesus at all. And it's the same thing today. The world does not appreciate Jesus. They don't. They hate it when you call them out for their sin. But it's our responsibility to go out and tell them, hey, what you're doing is wrong. And in reality, you're on your way to hell. And I have the answer. Can I show the answer? And Jesus was the answer. Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. But they denied him. And they pushed him aside. And the world is still doing that today. But it is our responsibility, as Jesus gave us a command, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's our responsibility as Christians to do so. In the beginning of the chapter, Jesus was found eating with the sinners, and they came to him, and they were wondering why he was eating and fellowshipping with them. And, and the first parable that Jesus gave was the parable of the shepherd that lost his sheep. The shepherd was wondering where his sheep was. He lost one sheep out of his whole 100 flock, and he left his 99 to go find that one lost sheep. And when he found it, he rejoiced. He was happy that he found his sheep. The next, be- the next parable he gave was the woman who lost her coin. She was searching everywhere for her coin. She was sweeping up her house. She was cleaning her house. She was tearing up her house. And when she found it, she rejoiced over the fact that she found that one coin. And we get to the point of the passage that we just read. And and the importance of this text is to understand and to see a life that is lived without the presence of the Father. And to see true repentance in one's life as he comes back home to his Father. Today I want to speak to you of the importance of the presence of the Father. The importance of the presence of the Father. A life that is lived within the presence of the Father is a life that will find true contentment and happiness. And the first point I want to bring to your attention is this, the position of the Son. The position of the Son. If we are to be realistic, we at one point can identify ourselves as the prodigal son. We find ourselves living for the pleasures of the world, living to make a name for ourselves, living to find approval um, that we believe the world can satisfy us with. The son in the story was doing the exact same thing. He was living a selfish lifestyle, living to satisfy his own needs. And I remember a story when I was eight years old, my neighbors got this brand new puppy. And man, it was the coolest thing. It was this uh, golden lab. And um, my family, we weren't allowed to have dogs because um, my dad didn't like having to clean it up and stuff. And he didn't think I would do it. And he was probably right. Uh, I'm watching Brother David's dog, and I'm having trouble watching Ahsoka. And it's a good thing I don't have a dog at all. But. I remember I go to my dad at the school night, and I say, hey, dad, can I please go to my neighbor's house? You know, they're just right there. They're just right across the street. And he says, no, you know what, maybe tomorrow you can go do some other time. But me, being my independent eight-year-old self, decided I can go do whatever I want to do. So I go, I walk out that front door, and I can tell you I had a blast. You know, I was chasing the dog over there. He was chasing me. Uh, I was hiding from the dog. He was hiding from me. And we were having fun. And I remember I just, I, I just realized, you know what, it's getting kind of late. I, I got to get home before it's too late. And I remember, I already knew I was going to be in trouble. I, I already knew my, my dad was going to beat me because I left. And um, so I'm there. I'm saying, oh, man, what am I going to say? What am I going to tell my dad? So I go, and I knock on the door. And he opens the door, and he just grabs me. He just throws me across the line. He says, go pick that dog if you still want to. And I, but just kidding. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. No. He, he, he opened that door, and he saw his son whom he thought he lost. He, he was worried about me. 
And he saw me and he grabbed me and he embraced me and he loved me. He said, don't you ever do that again. <laughs> that wasn't supposed to be funny. <laughs> but we see that from this text that we just read, we see that the, the, the son was living a selfish lifestyle. He said, Father, give me. And we see that the, the prodigal son was living to satisfy himself, living for the good of himself. And as we know in the story, the prodigal son's lifestyle will be his destruction. He was living a selfish life. Living a selfish lifestyle that would meet his own needs and not the needs of others. He, he decided that he was going to be the ruler of his own life. And he, he left the presence of his, of his father to do whatever it is that he wanted to do. And many Christians today find themselves leaving the presence of the father to go do whatever it is that they think will bring them joy in this life. And, and they think that true happiness will come outside of the presence of the father. The son said, Dad, give me my inheritance now. Give me the things that I want now. Let me, let me have my life now. And so his father does, and he, he leaves. And, and the son believed that he had everything he needed, but he was missing the most important thing, the presence of the father. And I, I pray and I hope that I will not be satisfied unless I have truly lived a life with the father living within me and I living with the father. Jesus in John 15 was giving the comparison of God as a husbandman who purges away the vines uh, that, that did not bear fruit. And Jesus goes on in verse number five, he says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth with me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. And this is a part I want to put onto you guys, it's this. For without me, ye can do nothing. Outside of the Christian life, if you do not, if you do not have God within you, if, you do, if you're not communing with God, if you're not fellowshipping with God, you alone are worth nothing, you are weak, and you cannot do anything in your own power. For without me, ye can do nothing. If you want to find true satisfaction in life, cling to the presence of the Father. It's as simple as that. The simple presence of the Father, trusting in Him, abiding in Him, strengthening your relationship with Him, will cause you to, try, will cause you to find true satisfaction. The presence of the Father has so much more to give you than the world does. And, that, and that's a fact. Godliness with contentment is great gain. You who are living in a life of sin, you who are saved and living an immoral lifestyle, you who are lost and had no idea you were, can I beg with you, can I plead with you to get right with the Father and to never leave his side again? Many people in this world live to make a name for themselves. Many celebrities, actors, who we think are happy because they have countless amounts of money, the cars, the fame, a name for themselves, they're not happy. They're trying to find something to fill that void, when in reality that void needs to be filled by Jesus. Many, they, they have the money, the fame, the materials, but money doesn't buy true happiness. In reality, money brings selfishness, for the love of money is the root of all of evil. Living for oneself does not bring happiness at all. A, a life that is lived to bring joy to the Father, a life that is lived in God's will, is where true happiness comes from. We see from the prodigal son that his life ends up in spoil. As we had read, he spent all he had in riotous living, living for himself, living for the pleasures of the world. And when he has, the Bible says, and when he had spent all, there rose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. He, he had nothing left. Living for himself, he comes to, the, to a brick wall, and he says, I got nothing left, I got nowhere else to go, and he was stuck in a, he was stuck in a pickle. He was. he was. He had nowhere else to go. And if you notice in the passage, nowhere did it say that the father begged his son to stay. The father gave him his free will. And God is giving you and me the same free will. Either we can abide with the Father or we can go do our own thing. The choice is yours. And that's, that's, that's the reality of it. 
Many times in our lives, we find ourselves thinking we know what is best for us, but so did the prodigal son. And look what happened to him. He had nothing left. He was living in a, in, in a pigsty, living, the corn, living off of the pig's corn husk. He had nothing. The son has spent all he had on himself, living a lifestyle full of self-pleasure, satisfaction, and desire to make a name for himself. And that's the exact agenda that the world is trying to push onto people like us today. Make a name for yourself. Live for your own desires. Do your own thing. But the Bible says, pride goes before destruction and the haughty spirit before a fall. Living for oneself, living a prideful life is your destruction. That's your downfall. Can I say that there is only one name that is worth truly living for? There is only one name that all people of the earth will bow to. There is only one name that all nations will confess that is truly the King of Kings, and that name is Jesus. Amen. The very Jesus that we get to serve, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. That's the name, that's only one name worth truly, worth truly living for. But so often we find ourselves living the lives of selfishness. We don't find true contentment with, what, with where we are. Jesus said, in John, in, um, Jesus said this, Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust hath corrupt. And how, well, how do we lay up treasures in heaven? By living, for, by living for Jesus and taking our time out of our days to commune with him, strengthen our relationship with him, and living for him. There was a story that I came upon entitled, A Letter from God, that reads like this. Good morning. As you got up, I watched and hoped you would talk to me. Just, just a few words, such as thanking me for something good in your life yesterday or last week would do. But I noticed you were busy selecting the right clothes for work. I, I waited again to hear from you. When you ran around the house collecting papers, gathering your stuff, I knew that, that there would be a few minutes to stop and say hello, but you never slowed down. I, I wanted to tell you that I could help you accomplish more than you ever dreamed possible if you would just spend some of each day with me. And at one point, you waited 15 minutes in a chair with nothing to do, and I waited to hear from you. Then I saw you spring to your feet. I, I thought you wanted to talk to me, but you ran to the phone and called a friend. I, I watched as off to work you went and waited patiently all day long to hear from you. And with all your activities, you were still too busy to talk with me. I, I noticed at lunch you looked around, or maybe you just felt too embarrassed to talk to me. You glanced three tables over and noticed some of your friends talking to me before they ate, but you wouldn't. There was still more time left, and I hoped that we would talk. You went home and had many things to do. After they were done, you turned on the TV, and just about anything goes there, and you spent many hours watching. And I waited as you continued watching TV and ate your meal, but again, you wouldn't talk to me. At bedtime, you were totally tired. After you said goodnight to your family, you popped into bed and fell asleep. And I had so much wanted to be part of your day. We could have had so much fun and accomplished so much together. I love you so much that I wait every day for a thought prayer, or thanks. Well, maybe tomorrow I'll be waiting, your friend, God. And so often in the busyness of life, we find ourselves not taking a single minute for God. If you know the story, you know in um, John, uh, Luke chapter number 10, G Martha invites Jesus into her house. And Martha is so excited to have Jesus in her house. And so she, she's cleaning up. She's, she's doing, making herself busy. She's, she's, she's fixing up things for Jesus. And, and eventually it becomes so overwhelmed for her, and she sees her sister Mary, and she's just there sitting down. And, and, and she goes to Jesus, and she says, Jesus, do you not care for me? Do you, do you not see me being busy? And then what does Jesus say? He says, Martha, you're worrying about too many things that aren't very important. He says, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary had chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. 
can I, can, I, can I let you guys know this? That within the busyness of life, it is important for us to do the needful thing, and that is sitting at the feet of Jesus, asking him for strength, communing with the Father, begging him for his mercy and grace, thanking him for loving us, thanking him for Jesus, thanking him for all the blessings that he's given to us. Why? Because he's worthy of it all. And can I tell you that all God wants to have is a relationship with you, but the question stands for you, do you want to have a relationship with God? It was after the son realized that he had lost everything, that, that he decided to come back to the father. And friend, can I tell you, don't wait until you have lost everything that you have for you to come back to the father. Come back today. Come back now. So we saw, first of all, the position of the son. But lastly, we see the perspective of the father. The perspective of the father. Just imagine the pain and the sorrow that the son had left on his father when he walked away from him. The hurt, the, ache, the aching, the sorrow. At one point in the store, the son had everything but lost it immediately. All the money he had, gone. Everything he spent his money on, gone. Absolutely nothing left. So the son decides to go back to the father, and he's thinking to himself, well, what am I going to say? How, how am I going to talk to him? He's probably rehearsing what he's going to say to his dad, Dad, I, I sin. I, I don't. I'm not. I can't. I can't do anything. I'm asking you to forgive me, and it's up to you if you want to forgive me. And, and as he's coming up with his story, as he's coming up with his excuses, we see something so beautiful—a picture of God's mercy. His father sees him, and he runs to him. The image of the father running to his son is something so beautiful, and so it is in our lives. The father came to us, sending his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. We who are lost in our sin, God sent his perfect son to die on the cross for us. It doesn't make sense, but it's beautiful, isn't it? God, the holiest of holies, the creator of the universe, wants to have a relationship with you in so much that he sent his perfect holy son to die on a wooden cross, a cross that he made for you. It doesn't make sense. And it's, it's beautiful. It's the reality of it. God loves us. But so often we neglect God's love in our lives. We neglect his mercy. We neglect his grace. His father ran to him. He kissed him. He loved on him. His father was willing to forgive him of all that he'd done because he was overwhelmed with joy that his son came home. And God rejoices when his lost child, the, the child who has gone astray, the child who was lost living in sin comes home to him. And true repentance is seen in the heart of the person who is truly sorry for the wrong that he has done. The son was sorry. He, he was desperate for forgiveness of his father. And, and you who are living in sin, you who are currently living that sinful lifestyle, do, do, you, do you desire forgiveness from God? Are, are you truly repentant of your, of your sin that, you've, that you have done against God? Some say, I've failed God countless amounts of times, and, and there's no way that God is willing to forgive me again. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God's mercy is never-ending. God's grace is never-ending. And that's the beauty of God. God loves you so much, Christian. God loves you so much, friend. And that's just, just amazing. And as we continue on the story, it's, it's pretty funny. I feel like the only realistic person in this story is the brother, really. And he's like, he, he, he's working out in the field. He hears the music. He hears the calf, the, the calf that was smoking on the the barbecue or whatever it was, by the way, smoking pig, very good. Very, very good. That's probably the, the one reason I'll come back to South Carolina. 
But he, he, he hears the music, he smells the pig, and he says to one of the servants, hey, what's going on? What's, what's up with the party? What, what, what's the reason for it? And the servant says, well, hey, your, your brother came home, the one who was lost, you know, the one who, who broke your father's heart. And the brother's like, yeah, the, why, is, why are we having a party for him? You literally said it. He broke my father's heart. He did so many things wrong against us. He tainted the family name. And he comes to his father and he says, Dad, I, I never sinned against you. Where, where are my blessings? How come I don't have a party? And, and the father says, hey, you know, you live with me. I'm your father. You, you are already in my presence. You are already living with me. I'm already giving you my blessings. You're going to get your blessing eventually. But my son, whom I thought I lost, the person who wandered away from me, the person who was lost in sin, he came back. And so often in our lives, we, 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 we come to these points where we say, God can save that guy. God is willing to save the drug addict, the alcoholic, that, that person living in sin. And, and we, don't, we don't find ourselves content with what we have. So at the point we get bitter at God, we don't say, we say, God, we don't have, I don't get what I want. I, 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 this isn't fair. But then we, we completely neglect the part that's the most important. A sinner's coming home. A sinner who was living his life, who was lost astray, was home. And may we never get tired of seeing souls coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. This past March, I had the opportunity to go to the Philippines for um, the Spiritual Leadership Conference in Asia. And essentially what it is, it's a conference where we had about 10,000 people who were in this one room praising God, missionaries, pastors from the Philippines, and they were just encouraged, and it was a blessing. And before I went there, I had prayed and asked God, I said, God, if you just give me one soul, I want to, save, I want to see one person come to the saving knowledge of you. And um, the second prayer was, if God, if you want me to come here to the Philippines, I'll go. And um, throughout the week, we went soul winning, and I, I wasn't able to lead a person to the Lord that whole week, and I was kind of uh, upset about that, you know, it was kind of discouraging, but um, I, I do know that God did want me to come back. If he wants me to come back, I'm still praying about it. I, I'm, I'm stuck between Canada and the Philippines, and I'm still deciding where God wants me to go. And throughout that whole week, we went soul winning, and I wasn't really able to talk to anybody about salvation. And um, as we got to the airport that last day, uh, we went through security, and there on that table where you're we, we able to put yourself back in your bags, we saw tracks from the church that we went soul winning at. And um, I said, okay, well, let me just take those. And I, there were about four or five of them, and I, and I, gave, I gave one to the security guards. I, I gave one to some people who were sitting there. <clears throat> and um, I gave one to this guy. <clears throat> His name was Noel. And then I gave one to the next person. And, and Noel comes up to me, and he says, well, what is this, religion? And I was like, no, man, it's, it's, it's salvation. Yeah. If you were to die a day, Noel, do you know if heaven would be your home? And he says, no, I don't. And I said, well, Noel, can I show you real quick? He says, yeah, sure. And I, I got my Bible. I was excited. I pulled it right out of my backpack right away. And I said, Noel, here's what you are. You're a sinner in need of a savior. Noel, here's what happens because you're a sinner. You're on your way to hell. Do you understand? He said, I do. And I said, but Noel, here's the beauty of it. God gave you and me that free gift of salvation, and all you got to do is take it. And if you ask for God for forgiveness right now, God's willing to take you up into heaven if you were to die today. And right there and then, I was asking, I was asking him, I was reassuring him, making sure that he understood, and he got it. He got it right there and then. I can assure you that, Noel, I'm going to see that guy in heaven for sure because he understood the gospel. And that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of a sinner coming home to the Father. And so often we find ourselves leaving the presence of the Father for, for temporary joy, for temp temporary, temporary fulfillment in our lives. 
when in reality, all we need is to stay close to the Father, and God has everything we truly need. So let's find true joy and contentment within the presence of the Father. The two questions today. Where will you choose to live today? Are are you going to live within the presence of the Father, or are you going to go live and do your own thing? And the second question is this. Are you going to continue doing your own thing, living for your own good, And you who are living and doing your own good and doing your own thing, will you today return to the presence of the Father?